was an idea. The Avengers Initiative. I'm gonna do this all day. I'm a superhero. I've come to bargain. I love you, please, Hansen. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. You should have gone for the head. And I... Wakanda forever! Why is Gamora? Iron Man. We are... Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of Den of Geek Presents Marvel Standom, where we try to give you the deepest possible dives into all the goings on in the MCU, Marvel Comics and beyond. I'm your host, Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard, and joining me today are Den of Geek TV Editor Alec Bajalad and our regular Den of Geek contributor and actual doctor, Joe George. This episode of Marvel Standom is powered by eBay. We'll be talking more about that soon. But first, we're going to be talking about Marvel's latest big screen offering, The Marvels, in which Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, and Monica Rambeau team up to stop a bad lady from doing some bad things. Now, even with strong indications that the movie would flop, The Marvels still fell way, way short of expectations, with a worldwide start of $110 million in its opening weekend. Apparently, it cost $220 million to produce and $100 million to promote, so that's pretty eye-watering. Just a warning ahead of this one, you will be hearing some opinions. Um, these opinions are not facts, they're just thoughts and feelings. Uh, do with that information what you will, but I am here to remind you that unless you're completely toxic, your opinion is just as valid as anyone else's. And in fact, more valid, because whether you personally enjoy a piece of media or not is ultimately the only thing that should matter to you. But if you'd like to hear what three grumpy old sods thought of the movie, uh, strap in, because we're going to get to it now. Alec, what did you think of the Marvels? Meh. You know, like I wasn't hugely inspired by it. It, it kind of made me realize how Marvel pilled I am. Um, just because, <laughs> like, I think it's a fairly mediocre movie. Um, but I still found things to enjoy. Just as somebody who's been invested in this universe for so long and really likes the characters of Carol Danvers and uh, Kamala Khan, it's nice that it's you know a hundred minutes or so. And within those a hundred minutes, I think maybe like. I was engaged and not bored for like 60 of them, which is not bad. I think it's a fairly mediocre Marvel film, but a mediocre Marvel movie doesn't really make me viscerally angry in a way that like a terrible Marvel TV show does. Uh, there's something far, former, for, far more forgivable about like having a popcorn sitting in a theater and watching something for just a couple of hours. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would say I liked it. I don't know if I would say it was good, but it had it has its moments. I'm fine with it. I'm not I'm not livid that it exists. Like I can I I got to sleep at night just fine after watching it. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm not livid that it exists and I was able to sleep at night afterwards is they should put that on the DVD cover and the Blu-ray cover and just. Just sell the shit out of this thing with that alone. Uh, Joe, what did you think of the Marvels? I'm going to go a little bit harder and say it's good. Um, I mean, there's definitely prop. The script is nonsense so much, but <laughs> I had such a good time with it. I I mean, I, I'm all in on Kamala Khan and giving uh, Amon Valani that much space on the big screen and bringing her family back. I mean, I'm just... That's always going to work for me, but 
there was no part where uh no part was bored of course but no part where i was really disappointed or not engaged in the store or not engaged in the characters interactions you know even the bad lady who has not much going for her other than the bad lady <laughs> i thought that that was played well when your job is bad lady you know that it, it kind of it kind of all worked for me i i enjoyed it it's a three star out of five movie definitely to me but um that means good okay well i think that i'm gonna be uh the descent the voice of descent i thought it was actively bad guys um felt like it was it felt like it was edited with a machete it was so messy um do you know what there are movies that flop and i'm like oh that's a shame because that's a really great movie um, and to be clear, that happens a lot. Uh, Joe has even done a series of articles at denofgeek.com, uh, uh, which you can read there right now. Just go there right now, type denofgeek.com into your browser, um, about how bangers have straight up flopped at the box office uh, forever. Um, and they're now considered classics. But here I'm just like, well, that was bad. So <laughs> I guess that's fine that it flopped. I can get into things that I didn't like about it, but... Um, I on the positive side, I would say that everything with, with Goose was fun. And it's <laughs> worth mentioning that my kids love this movie, even if I didn't. So um, perhaps I'm just very grumpy and old, but it, it didn't it didn't feel like it hung together well. It felt like there were some big parts missing out of it. The villain was very okay. Um, and just some questionable things going on in it that um yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, maybe I need to see it again and maybe I'll enjoy it more a second time. But I, I didn't think it was very good. Can you talk about some of those questionable things? That's that's the oh, I part where my, my oh. eyebrow raised. I can't do it one. Okay. Well, I like Nia DaCosta, the director of the Marvels. Um, I really liked her Candyman remake, especially. I thought she it's really hard to remake like a sort of classic horror movie and actually do something really good with it. And I really liked her version of Candyman. I didn't see a visual stamp of hers really on this. You know, we have we've been talking about Loki and we're talking about like Benson Moore had have the style and it's very obvious and like impressive and I didn't feel like there was anything going on there that really stood out to me there was one shot in which sort of um it's focused on um Kamala and Monica they're at the helm of the ship and Carol comes in through the back and it's completely seamless she flies in through the back and then sort of walks up to the front of them and starts talking to them I thought that was really good other than that, um, there wasn't anything that that really stood out to me as, um, you know, this is a Nia DaCosta film, you know, and that's something that perhaps I would have liked. And maybe that's just my own expectations. You know, at the end where Carol was like, it turns out that for 30 years, um, 30 years ago or so ago, she went and she destroyed the supreme intelligence. She like destroyed it and then Hala started um, falling apart. And then I guess like three decades later, a kid goes to her, do you know what? You should just go and like fix that. And she goes, <laughs> I never thought of that. I guess I'll go do it. And she does. And it happens. And and then that's it. Um, There's just uh, really confusing stuff like that. 
This is okay, a bit they've already established that it's a going. big universe. <laughs> and she's got a lot of stuff to cover. Okay. Right. But that's a bit, that's a bit much. Like, I don't know how I can, how I can process that. There was another bit at the end as well where uh, I'm not sure if I missed something and maybe you guys can help me. But um, when she was in the plane uh, with Kamala at the end, I thought that Carol was wearing one of the bangles, uh, one of the quantum bands. And I don't remember them having any kind of conversation like, let's share these. Did did you guys catch any of that? <laughs> I did not catch that. No. No, neither a conversation. Is it, is it possible they cut it out and then just didn't put it back in, Joe? <laughs> yeah, oh, the script is terrible. Nobody's, dis nobody's disputing that. The script is nonsense. No motivation makes sense. Like the whole, I guess one of the emotional arcs was supposed to be that Carol doesn't know what it's like to feel like a hero and Kamala's hero worship. I mean, like that made no sense. The bit where uh, all of the crap about Aunt Carol going away and <laughs> them not talking to one, like none of that emotional stuff or even just basic plot stuff worked. I'm not going to dispute any of that. That's all crap. <laughs> I think one of the reasons why I and maybe Joe are, are a little more sympathetic to this movie is that like the ways in which it's bad are almost inevitable from a Marvel yes. movie now. Like there's just like a certain level of badness baked into the traditional marvel dna which is like all of the villains are going to have a point all of the heroes are going to make um some sort of tragic mistake like uh, torching hala and then forgetting that they could fix it years later <laughs> um, those inadequacies and shortcomings are kind of baked into the dna for me at this point um like this really could have been a far, far better film if they had just eliminated the villain altogether. Why does this movie need a villain? <laughs> it's just because that's the DNA of a comic book movie. <laughs> so I, I guess I appreciate the ways in which it's watchable and sometimes good within that flawed structure that it can't really escape because it's a Marvel movie. And inside that fourth structure, they are like they're jumping around from place to place. There's the uh, the scrolls in which everyone's trying not to make any kind of connection to Secret Invasion because no one watched Secret Invasion. And that was um, a whole star by itself right there for me, the way they right. utterly ignored that. And then and then Valkyrie appears unnecessarily and, and then goes away again, says some uh, inspirational words and then leaves. Um, I just don't know, guys. I just felt like there was not enough story here. Um for it to hang together as a complete movie. And whether that's because so much has been cut out of it, I don't know. Or maybe they it did, the script wasn't up there in the first place. Maybe there just wasn't enough. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know the answers, but it did feel like there was, there was a lot missing here. Nothing really felt earned. I, I didn't feel sad when Monica got shut in a different reality. That seemed like she wasn't, leaving anything behind except her house I guess and then <laughs> Carol moved in and it was fine so yeah I, they I did, the bonding that they did didn't feel like it there was enough time spent on it or um yeah I don't know so that I, I I didn't felt feel sad when they got separated even and um I just I don't think much about the movie worked for me even the goose stuff the the CG was a bit all over the place um but yeah 
Um, sorry. Speaking of Monica, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> why? Why couldn't she close the space door from the other side? Because she had to get to the other world to pay off what happens in the <laughs> I mean, that's because Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> but we know that. I mean, you're you're right, Alec. That this is. I don't think it's. I don't think superhero stories necessarily have to have bad stories. But at this point in Mar, okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> what we like about Marvel <laughs> is the shawarma scene at the end of Avengers, right? That's the one. If you're throwing a fit about a Marvel movie having bad action scenes or something like that, there's a billion better choreographed action movies, you know, that come out every year. That's And there's more drama and more. I mean, the thing that Marvel has, the fun time of watching our friends have fun together. And that's the thing that I want fundamentally out of a marvel movie and this gave me that you know it's it's the 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 juxtaposition of carol and monica having like their weird heart to heart about carol being gone so long and then right after that to the jump rope sequence uh that was just the jump rope sequence was what i wanted them just having fun being silly together that was a good time and so yeah, I know all those machinations are going to happen. And no, did Valkyrie ever talk to Carol on screen in any other instance? I don't think so. I mean, that was very much like Nia DaCosta knows Tessa Thompson. And so she's just going to have her show up right here. And that's fine, because what 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 else were you expecting? As long as it gives me the fun stuff, I'm okay with that. And then we jump to the water planet, Joe. And then what was going on there because it was very this is a good idea like having a little musical like we're singing everything we're saying yeah. um I don't mind that but then it sort of feels sort of thrown in there and then they they just leave and you're like so are they all dead now did they did all <laughs> of them die I don't feel like we didn't get any kind of but then maybe I missed that moment where they went they told us what happened did I miss it no, you miss nothing. It's okay. not there. Where are the things, Joe? Where are the They're bits? not there. They the don't. Story. Why did you expect a coherent plot? Like, how far into it were you like, I, I feel like I was 10 minutes in or I was like, okay, this is, I can't remember where, okay, the, the part where I completely gave up on plot, and I feel like this happens a little bit later, is when we get the flashback of her destroying the Supreme Intelligence. And on the one hand, I'm like, yay, green head in a, it's what it should have been all along. Why did you just make it Annette Benning in the first movie? Supreme Intelligence is a giant green head with tentacles coming out. But then also, when did this happen? And why are you telling us this? Like, at that point, it all broke as far as I have no expectations for this plot. And I just set it aside in the same way that I didn't expect there to be a discussion about found family. I didn't expect there to even be the interesting inverse of refugees and using, you know, that kind of logic that they did in the first Captain Marvel. It, it is a popcorn movie. And so, God, I, I'm arguing for crap. I know, but, <laughs> but there's a part of it is also, what are you expecting from this thing? At what point are you, what is going to make sense to say, what science is going to make sense that 
the door has to be opened on this side as opposed to that side. There is none. Remember what our friend OB said. It's a fiction problem. It's and so that's that's where it's working. But, but I, I hear well OB saying, but I would I would say it like this. It's a fiction problem. <laughs> like I would, say, <laughs> I would say there's some serious problems with the fiction here. Um, but I, I respect your opinion. Um, Joe, I really do. And it, in terms of arguing for crap, like I'm I'm there every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I really can't defend myself in any way. Um, we'll be talking more about the Marvels in a moment. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, eBay. eBay is the premier destination for collecting comics, both old and new. Whether it's that highly sought after iconic comic or an obscure niche that speaks directly to you, Odds are you'll certainly find it on eBay. Here's a list of comics that are must-haves for any fan of the Marvels. Marvel Super Heroes 13. Carol Danvers made her first appearance in a Captain Marvel story published in the 1960s anthology series Marvel Super Heroes. Of course, the Captain Marvel of that story was Marvel, the Cree male who battled baddies in a green and white suit. Carol shows up in only a few panels as a regular person who briefly chats with Marvel in his civilian identity. That's not the most impressive debut for one of Marvel's most enduring characters, but the issue has other charms. Roy Thomas and Stanley craft a classic sci-fi story, and Gene Colan draws really dramatic fights between Marvel and Yon-Rogg. Avenging Spider-Man 9. MCU fans only know Carol Danvers as just Captain Marvel, but it took her comic book counterpart a long time to take that name. Even after Marvel died, other characters picked up the Captain Marvel moniker, while Carol went by Ms. Marvel, Binary, and Warbird. She even shared a body with Rogue of the X-Men for a while, but we won't get into that. It wasn't until 2012's Avenging Spider-Man 9 that Carol became Captain Marvel and finally took her place in the upper echelons of the Marvel Universe. Written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and drawn by Terry Dodson, Avenging Spider-Man 9 makes everyone wonder why it took so long for Carol to get her due. She shows off not only her full power, but her intelligence and strategic cunning as she and Spidey battle airborne baddies. It's the perfect setup for Carol's excellent first ongoing series as Captain Marvel. Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16. After the death of Marvel in the great graphic novel The Death of Captain Marvel, the codename went to a new character called Monica Rambeau. Rambeau made her debut in Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16, written by Roger Stern and drawn by John Romita and John Romita Jr., a New Orleans Harbor patrol captain investigating shady scientists. Rambo gained her powers when stopping a machine from destroying the city. With the power to become an energy being, Rambo jumps into action as Captain Marvel. By the end of the issue, she establishes herself as a worthy successor to the Captain Marvel name, at least until she abandoned it to go by Photon or Spectrum or Pulsar. Ms. Marvel 1. Even before Iman Balani's winning turn as Kamala in the MCU, writer G. Willow Wilson made Ms. Marvel into one of the most exciting new characters of the past two decades. All of Kamala's appeal and potential is on display in her first solo comic in Ms. Marvel 1 from 2014. Wilson demonstrates her understanding of teen characters by portraying Kamala as a good kid with big dreams, even as she clashes with her loving family. Artist Adrian Alfona takes a cartoony style that emphasizes facial expressions, making Kamala and her friends instantly recognizable. 
Although she doesn't make her big screen debut until the Marvels, Kamala Khan has been a star since Ms. Marvel 1. Start or expand your Marvel Comics collection today at eBay. And now, back to the show. So let's talk a little bit more about the villain, uh, Darben. She is a Cree lady. Uh, is that correct, Joe? Sorry, I'm just, I was really uh -huh. struggling to keep up with a lot of the plot here. Yeah, she's, um, an she's, a, she's an accuser, like uh, our friend Ronan, uh -huh. uh, Lee Pace from Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Um, she's from Hala, which Carol destroyed and then decided to, I guess, like have lunch for 30 years. She's played by Zowie Ashton, uh, Mrs. Tom Hiddleston. I actually thought the scenes that she was in, she did a really good job. Um, yeah, I, I, I got her fury and I got her pain. Um, it's just that it was all very, it's all sort of hanging on a very silly sort of construction that you just go, oh, of course, Carol would just do that and then just ruin their <laughs> all their lives and then and then leave. Um, what did you think of uh, Darben and Zowie Ashton's performance, Alec? Nothing. I think nothing. Oh, okay. um, this is the, this is a nothing <laughs> villain. Um, I mean, the performance is fine. Sure, why not? There has never been less of a purpose for, for a villain in like any Marvel movie. I think you could like, honestly, like, why not just have them, why not just have the Marvels team up to like combat a natural disaster? Like, that makes as much sense other than this villain whose name I refuse to learn or remember. Darben, Alex. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not not going to take it in. I just don't think there's really any, it's, it's exactly what we've seen so many other times before to the point where she's literally apparently an accuser, which like I didn't even pick up on. Like, I guess she had the hammer thing. That was nice. You had that hammer thing, Alex. This is this is where I feel the most frustrated and annoyed at the movie is just like the need to shoehorn in a villain that's done the same old villain stuff that we've seen 150 times throughout these movies. I'm tired. I don't know what else to say about it, really. That's OK. Alex, not wrong about anything that he just said. I don't disagree with that. It's a garbage villain and it is she's perfunctory. She's just there because that's what a superhero story calls for especially on this level that said i think the performance was a lot of fun um not in an emotional truth sort of way i didn't buy any of that i thought that it was really fun like in an old doctor who villain sort of way like her eyes are all crazy and she's doing like this weird mouth you know slack jaw breathing thing it was so over the top and silly that I thought she did the the best possible thing when you're given a nothing character. It's like, okay, I'm going to lean all the way into this being a silly trope because that's what she is. Uh, that's what the character is. And I really enjoyed it on that level because it was all surface. <laughs> that's what we needed. We've realized that we're all in agreement on what is good and what in, what is bad in this movie. It just matters to varying degrees. <laughs> yes, <laughs> actually. I feel like we were the same way on Quantumania, where we yeah. were. Do you guys remember when we were talking about? That? I don't know whether you were on the Quantumania show, Joe. Were you? I was on the like the immediate reaction one that you weren't on. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. So there we did like an immediate like the the day of I think it coming out, and then so no, I was not on there with you. No, we did a Quantumania show where we talked about, and um, we were just kind of like, this film isn't very good but I enjoyed it. And we all sort of 
reached that point together. But um, in this in this instance, I like there was a couple of things that I enjoyed about the movie, but overall, I just I I just thought it wasn't very good, and it made me a little bit sad because I do like uh, I love Ms. Marvel. I I love Kamala Khan so much, and Amon Balani is so good in this movie. She's trying her best to keep this whole thing afloat, you know. Um, Monica Rambeau is fine too. She's she was good in this. Uh, Brie felt like she was kind of sleepwalking through a bit of it, but that's maybe just the way it sort of the story hung together around her. There was a moment where she was talking about um oh um I've been using the the scroll technology to access my memories. You know I'm still at that. I'm still at that three decades later. I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out you know all this stuff from my past. And you're like oh, cool, like maybe that will come back later and she'll remember something. And then they kind of just used it to, I guess they have a little um, mind meld between the three of mm-hmm. them where they just sort of like showed you bits of the past in case you missed the TV show, WandaVision. That was really bad. <laughs> I mm. can't defend that. I mean, maybe they, they do a little bit of like Monica missing Maria sort of thing to, again, set up something in the mid credit sequence which is the thing that nobody actually cares about nobody walked away from that sequence going oh she got to reunite with her mother whom she missed so much so uh i like how the what joe dubbed the the shawarma moments like that's what we're all looking for in the marvel movies i think it's like anytime characters are hanging out and interacting should be called like the shawarma moments <laughs> and the those do really work here like those, the, the the three leads all have good chemistry. They're all talented. The characters they play are relatively interesting. It just, again, it comes down to whether that's enough for you. And I don't want to pull the box office card because it means nothing. Like, you know, a, a movie's quality in box office has really very little correlation. Right. Uh, but I think it's apparent that just from general worldwide reaction and how enthusiastic or not people are for this, they probably want something a little more than that. I suppose it's enough for us. It's enough for me because I'm, you know, marble pilled. But maybe things like a boring villain's not going to fly anymore. Maybe like all of these weird, conflicting plot points don't fly anymore. Maybe we need to have a little more effort put into things like that. Maybe the details matter or not. I don't know. Talking about whether the details do in fact matter, we're now going to be talking about the end of the Marvels. And we're going to be talking about the post credit scene or mid credit scene, uh, PCS or MCS as we like to say, um, of the Marvels. Uh, we'll first talk about the ending um, in which Kamala Khan uh, takes on a hiding in the shadows in Nick Fury-esque a figure and goes to Kate Bishop's pad and tries to recruit her, we assume, for a kind of Young Avengers. Um, is this working for anyone uh, in terms of like excitement levels for Young Avengers? Do we actually think a Young Avengers is going happen um and who's watching this who maybe hasn't watched hawkeye and is just kind of going huh i'm sure there are people that are watching this that haven't watched uh hawkeye but they probably recognize Haley steinfeld for those that have watched it i like to think that there's some excitement because you know uh kamala has been one of the characters that's really popped kate bishop has been one of the characters that really popped um <laughs> america did not pop but that was not the actress's fault i don't think uh but i i do think that where there is some juice for more shawarma moments is there is some excitement to see these characters 
together. The, the those kind of energetic younger characters played by very charis charismatic actresses. Um, I think there's some excitement for there. So I I hope that pop for some people. I think it's probably fair to say a pop for me, but again, only in the the shawarma sense. Again, like it matters to me as an extremely Marvel pilled individual to see. Uh, Kamala Khan uh, start something Young Avengers. You even just interact with somebody I've not seen her interact with before. That's novel and interesting to me, at least. And I like how it echoes the Nick Fury moment. And I like how she's still so attached to that clear iPad uh, that she so brilliantly points out that, like, if like secrecy <laughs> is of all importance to you, why do you make this clear? <laughs> like, I, um, who outside of me? cares at all about a young <laughs> avengers movie that we're never gonna see like it's just not gonna happen like the the amount of post-credit scenes that are going nowhere are really starting to add up and i think it's just a pure logistical problem like you just cannot have this many movies coming out this quickly and you throw in a pandemic and you throw in a couple of strikes it's just not gonna happen and if it does happen they're gonna be in their 40s <laughs> I and mean, we keep coming back to it, but like um, we we think about like that first movie really that came out like after Black Widow and Spider Man Far From Home, when we saw we saw Shang Chi, and we were like, great movie post credits. Shang Chi kind of joins the Avengers. Wong's there, Captain Marvel's there, the Hulk's there. That's exciting, and that was a long time ago, and not, we haven't seen Shang Chi since, like not once. Um, and it does feel like there's a, a lot of these that they, they don't matter anymore. And they used to be part of what why people were excited about these movies, but they've kind of watered them down to the point where, you know, I'm I'm kind of like, mm. and, and th but th this wasn't even uh, post credits. They ended the movie like this, like that it was actually going to matter. Uh, but I kind of got the feeling that it wasn't in terms of the post credits. Um, another thing I don't like to see is Beast. I'm not a beast fan. <laughs> any beast? Any any blue beast. Uh, Whoa. From the okay. X-Men. I, I just I don't I'm not really yeah, I'm not I'm not up, I'm not up on beast. I'm not I wouldn't consider consider myself uh, beast pilled. Um <sighs> and Kelsey Grammer, definitely not. Uh, a very problematic individual <laughs> uh, to bring into the MCU. Um his the, his CGI was really bad too. Um, and I don't know. It just—it was just kind of like, well, the X Men exist in this reality. We just shut away behind a door. But guys, the X Men are coming. Not here, and not in those other things, but definitely soon. And uh, I know that the Deadpool three is the only movie out next year, so I'm guessing they will be coming, and they will be the only thing that's coming in 2024 uh, at the theater. Um, <laughs> did this post credit scene, yeah, Joe? You love the X Men. I love um, the X-Men. Were you just like, Beast, my favorite, thank God you're here at the end of the Marvels, or were you let down? I was let down. Um, no. I was let down because, okay, I was excited about Binary, let down by uh, Beast. And because I actually wrote a, I wrote an article about this at, at Den of Geek, about my frustrations with them keep going back to the Fox X-Men, which were good for their time even with all of the troubling people who are involved in it the the fox x-men movies served an important uh role in transitioning from you know 90s black leather matrixy 
action movies into superheroes. But there's a lot of things that they did that were still trying to sell X-Men to a general audience. And even when they get around to, you know, now we're going to wear costumes, that sort of stuff. A lot of that baggage still came with it in a way that shortened up or, or limited this type of stories you can tell with X-Men. And so a lot of my excitement when, you know, besides the fact that I just love corporate oligarchies and I love it when giant companies eat other giant companies because that's good for us. Um, my excitement with that was then we're going to get new X-Men. We're going to be able to reboot it and we'll properly do the X-Men this time around. We're going to get short, hairy, ugly Wolverine. We're going to get a Storm who actually... <laughs> was a goddess and has compassion and power and doesn't just talk about toads getting struck by lightning. We'll have a conflicted Cyclops, all of this stuff. And then all of those social issues that you can touch on with X-Men, all those possibilities. And instead they keep doing, remember the cartoon show. I mean, this isn't even, this isn't what Kelsey Grammer looked like in the two uh, Brian Singer movies where, oh no, I guess wrong Anyway, the Fox movies, this is this is Beast from the cartoon in the same way that Professor X was the Professor X from the cartoon. So it's they're still going back to old X-Men. And I just I, 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 I my at best, this is a holding pattern where Kevin Feige is like, we don't know what to do with the X-Men yet. So we're going to keep throwing reminders at you that we've got them. But these aren't really the real X-Men yet. And while while that's frustrating because I want the real X-Men, that makes me hopeful. But I'm also worried with all this multiverse crap and all these rumors that the that Deadpool 3 is going to be them gathering up the Fox X-Men to fight Kang for the TVA. It just we need to move on past those guys. That's there's there's the X-Men are one of the most rich, complex, interesting uh, superhero franchises of all time and the 20th century Fox one was a version that was right for its time that we need to move away from so I have feelings about it I just didn't hear anything there about Beast specifically Joe and I was uh, <laughs> I was waiting for it What um... do you want I could turn this into a whole sermon on Beast <laughs> if you want okay because I like his villain turn in Krakoa and those who don't like that are wrong it's good. We'll come back to that at some point. Okay, thank um, you. As for Easter eggs in the Marvels, uh, I spotted a few. Captain Marvel is called the Annihilator uh, by the Kree. But in the comics, the Annihilators are, I think they're a superhero team um, that includes uh, the Kree buddy, Ronan the Accuser, who was played by Lee Pace in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Joe, have you read any Annihilators comics? Yeah, yeah. They come out of the... They get that name because they come out of the Annihilation storyline that gave birth to the modern right. Guardians of the Galaxy. It's it's not very good. It's it's kind of just, you know, Ronan is more of a complex. He's more of an anti-hero in the comics. It's just him and like Guardian and all of these super, you know, Superman level characters. It, it was pretty dull. We also had Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie, of course. Lashana Lynch was back as Maria Rambeau in her binary form. Kelsey Grammer, of course, we've just talked about as Beast, um, Joe's favorite X-Man. And also Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop and Lucky the Pizza Dog, which I didn't get to check in the credits. And I, I, I was going to check if it was played by the same dog, um, but I didn't. So I'm sorry about that. 
for anyone who was waiting to see if Den of Geek would uh, reveal that um, as a fact or not, <laughs> we just, I will get around to it, but not today. Are quantum bands a thing in the comics? I am so glad you asked. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes. They are always in the usually in the possession of the protector of the universe who gets them from oh, I can't remember if it's ego ego or eon, but from it's one of eon. those it's is eon. it eon? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. Traditionally, it's nega bands that are associated with Captain Marvel, not quantum bands. So there's a little bit of a kerfuffle on that, but we'll we'll allow it. I found the stuff with the uh, the quantum bands that when they were switching powers, sometimes it worked uh, for me visually, and sometimes it was just very very confusing. Um, but I did like it as a concept. Um, so the fact that it worked most of the time was pretty impressive, I would say. In the comics, the the quantum bands are essentially like Green Lantern rings, right? They can make constructs. They can allow you to 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 fly, make shields, that sort of thing. Except there's generally only one pair, and it's worn by the protector of the universe, who's usually Quasar, who is the most boring person in the Marvel universe. The Nega bands, however, that's callback, the... Joe. I've got it. Sorry, I'm just going to briefly interrupt, but that is callback. Is the most boring person. Oh, Korvac. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> but did Korvac ever get his own series? Quasar is the most boring person to get his own series several times. Okay, I'll accept it. The bands, Joe, the bands. <laughs> yeah, sorry. They keep that. interrupting me. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the quantum bands are generally the source of Captain Marvel's powers. They are the Cree weaponry that when it's Marvel, Genesvel, or um Philavel, they're usually wearing, which are all part of the same family, the Annette Benning in the first Captain Marvel, they're wearing uh quantum bands. And crucially, quantum band this is where I mean nega bands, and crucially, they they switch spots. You know, this is a kind of a reference to the the to the DC Billy Batson Carp Captain Marvel that Marvel grabbed the trademark when DC or Fawcett let it go. Anyway. Um, and so generally it's used as a as a space changing maneuver um, here. They kind of mix it all together. So the quantum bands allow Kamala to use her her construct powers, but they also seem to be doing uh, place shape or, or, or uh, space shifting like they do in uh, the comics. So they're MacGuffins, essentially. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the Marvels? Would you recommend it to a friend? And how much would you hate the friend you recommend it to, Joe? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I My wife hasn't seen it yet. And I told her, you need to go see it. It's such a good time. And I love her more than everybody. So, no, it's <laughs> just go in knowing what it is. Uh, it's... The story sucks and it's not going to make any sense. But if you want to go watch charismatic people have fun together, and if you want to see Aman Vellani play Kamala Khan again, and she's an utter delight every time she's on screen, then go watch She the is. She's great. She's the best thing in the movie. And this should have maybe been a Ms. Marvel movie. No complaints. What's there. funny is actually when I when I bought my ticket or no I I bought my ticket and I presented it to the usher. I just actually said, uh, I'm, "This is Amir from Ms. Marvel." <laughs> I just I forgot the name. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I will say, okay. Uh, one of my final thoughts is that I love uh, Princess Carol. Even just like in addition to that uh, that musical sequence being a delight, I love the fact that when we get to see like a little peek into how uh, Carol is keeping the the galaxy together, 
um, in, like doing <laughs> high level political maneuvering like Daenerys Targaryen and Marine, like getting in an arranged political marriage and just being Princess Carol. I love that. That's creative and that's cute. And I like creative and I like cute. Um, and there are moments to be had in this movie that are like that. But yeah, we're good. That's it for this episode of Marvel Standom. Make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're watching or listening right now. Don't forget to check out our web home of denofgeek.com where you can find all our Marvel coverage. You can also follow us at Den of Geek US on Twitter and Den of Geek on Instagram. If you need more, all episodes of Marvel Standom are available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks once again to the sponsor of this episode, eBay. Be sure to check them out for all your Marvel collectibles. This has been Marvel Standom on the Den of Geek Network. Until next time, be good to each other and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Marvel Standom, produced by Andrew Halley, Kirsten Howard, and Joe George. Hosted by Kirsten Howard. Editing and graphics by Andrew Halley. Social media coordinator, Lee Parham. Additional artwork by Chloe Lewis. Production assistant, Michael R. Music licensed from Soundstripe.com. Marvel Standom is a production of the Den of Geek Network. For more information, visit denofgeek.com.